Good evening, Dre. Hello, Peter. I have, before we get started with anything, I have a very, very important announcement. What? Oo ooh, ah, ting, tang, walla, 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 bing, bang. I'm going to push you down a flight of stairs. Why? You would do that to me. Yes, with a smile on my face. Well, in relation to that, what we are talking about this week is the Dr. Demento 20th Anniversary Collection, released in 1991, featuring a large selection of funny and or novelty songs. So do you know anything about Dr. Demento? Now I know that I didn't like what's happening here. You didn't you didn't like what was happening here? No, not in my big age. Oh. But that doesn't answer my question if you knew anything about Dr. Demento. Nope. Okay, well, Dr. Demento is the the uh, pseudonym of uh, Barrett Hansen, who is, was, is, yes, he's still alive, still producing shows. Uh, he was a uh, disc jockey who, since around 1970, uh, has used the, uh, used the name Dr. Demento for his, for his weekly radio show, which features this kind of stuff in general. Uh, it was syndicated nationally for a very, very long time. He is still going with it, though his show is um, online only now. Besides his work as a disc jockey, he has actually got a degree in ethnomusicology and is very well respected as a music historian and researcher. He has produced a lot of compilation albums, kind of like this, uh, focused on different parts of weird or demented music. For our purposes here, this is the 20th anniversary collection. Like I said, that was released in 1991. There's also a, a 25th anniversary collection, a 30th anniversary collection. His, his most recent ones are, are one called uh, Dr. Demento Covered in Punk uh, and uh, Dr. Demento First Century Dementia. That's the basic overview of, of Dr. Demento as a producer. Got it. You listen, you were you were game enough to to listen to some of this, or at least all of it once. Oh no, I heard every single song on this set of now. Given that last week I just told you straight up that this this specific set was very instrumental to my development as a music fan. Can you see where any of my sense of humor comes from now? Yeah this and you i guess yeah okay this sounds like you this is this actually covers a lot of ground as far as musical styles goes yeah there's folk oriented tracks here things like you know the the scotsman or junk food junkie there are earlier uh pop music tracks uh, there are some kind of more sketch comedy oriented bits like mm -hmm. St. George and the Dragon Net or Taekwondo Leap Boot to the Head. There's there's poetry on this. It's a lot going on. Yeah. The, the good doctor is not afraid to cover a lot of ground. And everything in here, including the kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. While I was listening to this, what occurred to me was that I have internalized 
this particular set so much that not only can I sing everything on it, oh my god, but I I just instinctively knew the order everything was coming in. And I can just see you bopping away singing these songs in my brain. Oh my gosh. So on occasion, I remember the circumstances upon which I, I acquire things. And although I don't specifically recall buying this one for myself, I do know the first time I encountered this. So I was 11 or 12 years old, very formative years here. Mm-hmm. And my brother, from whom I absorbed a lot of my musical interests, was working in the mall at the pet store. And I went to visit him at his work one day and he gave me like a $20 bill and said, go over to, I'm pretty sure it was Sam Goody's. I remember that. It was either Sam Goody's or Musicland and go buy this specific album. You know, he even wrote it down to make sure I got it right. On purpose? Well, yeah, on purpose. So I went over (laughs) to buy that. And then of course I promptly, you know, stole it from him and played it a whole bunch until I got my own copy. But this like totally fit in with where I was mentally at the time. And quite frankly, it still does fit in very well, very nicely. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know everything on here. I can sing everything on here and I can, without looking at the label, I can list all of the track listings. Wow. Wow. (laughs) You sound (laughs) so impressed. Um, That's a Um, lot. Would you like me to try naming all of them? No, thank you. So what was it about it you didn't didn't connect to? It just reminded me of elementary school and cartoons. Because, okay, as I went through, I was more familiar with some of the songs on the first album, none on the second. Mm -hmm. And all of those songs are things they played for us in school. We had those stupid little sing-alongs that I never wanted to do. Like... The Does Your Chewy Gum Lose Its Flavor? I remember hearing that song. Hello, Mother. Hello, Fada. Of course, I've heard Wappin' and Purple People Leader and Monster Mash and The Witch Doctor. Those are the ones I would, I knew already. And I associate all of them with elementary school, like kid stuff. So they were fun when I was eight, seven, six, somewhere around there. They were fun back then. But now I'm like, oh, my God, no. It's not something I'm going to listen to for enjoyment. No, I'm going to play this for my son, though. He'll probably love it, especially the pun-filled songs. He's going to love it. Yeah, so I hear this is something that I would let children listen to. Well, most of it. There's there's plenty of stuff that is not appropriate for small children. Yeah, but for the stuff that is. Or that might require some explaining. It's not all super obvious novelty stuff some of it for example is a little more subdued if like for example if you get to surf and bird it is kind of just a straightforward cover but what makes it demented in in the context we're talking about is that Mm -hmm. it actually it takes the original track and it pushes all of the the effects and all of the all the tropes of the original song and it like pushes them up to like 11 or 12 to make it just that much more absurd. Because let's face it, rock music in general kind of thrives on absurdity to an extent. You know, even if it's something like like we talked about last week or the week before when we were talking about Aerosmith, 
some of what Aerosmith does is absurd, but because they're doing it so rock star seriously, you take it more seriously. And here they're kind of stripping away that facade of seriousness and saying, look, this is absurd and we're having fun doing it. Yeah, I think if it were shorter, I probably would have enjoyed it more, but it just kept, it just was so much. If I had assigned, it's assigned you to listen to just the first disc or just the second disc, you might have probably, enjoyed it yeah. a little more. Yeah, because when I had, I kept starting over. So the first few songs just became downright annoying because I was tired of hearing them. And then since I'm, my memory's horrible, I can't ever remember where I left off. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept starting over. So I'm just like, I'm so irritated with these songs over and over and over again. Was was there anything on here in particular that you really liked? No, I mean, the, the ones that I was familiar with, you know, I enjoyed them as a kid. So I just kept associating with that, those things, but all the rest of it, I'm just like, ah, you know, that's cute. Even dead and puppies maybe, is cute. I wrote down WTF next to dead puppies. See, brief story about dead puppies. <laughs> when my, my parents were, were running like this, you know, nightclub for teens kind of thing. I, w- I was told by somebody, and I don't remember who, early on, that what you want to do at the end of the night when you're playing your last song is you make it the most depressing song you can find so people leave. Oh, my goodness. So Dead Puppies became my go-to last song of the night. Wow. It worked. People got off the dance floor. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like so many other things, most of these songs are just an exercise in absurdism. Yeah. And none of them would be nearly so good if they weren't no, if they weren't done so so seriously as far as the musician the musicianship is concerned. Okay, so if you've got a strange or weird or silly song and the person performing isn't any good, then it's just like, oh God, this is terrible. Fire. Oh, what am I doing? Don't don't try. You just stop. Yeah, because this didn't offend my ears at all. I just I would rather have this music play behind a show. Like put it. Like, I want them in plays. Like, that's what I wanted to do was watch a live action play or a skit show or some mm-hmm. stand up with this in between it. Because mm-hmm. by itself, I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh. But put in with other art forms, it totally works then for me because mm-hmm. it's entertaining. It's just mm-hmm. a lot. Okay. So, like, for example, if we go to Der Fuhrer's Face, which is obviously a, a, a farce making fun of well, the Nazis. Um, they, there was a, a Donald Duck cartoon produced with the song. I don't believe it was this specific recording, but it was the song. And this out, al- this album in general was also my introduction to a lot of artists that I, that I picked up just as, as personal favorites later on. This was my introduction to Spike Jones. This, I'm pretty sure this was my introduction to Frank Zappa. And we have talked about my appreciation of yeah. Frank Zappa in the past, Tom Lehrer, David Seville. So like all the chipmunk stuff and probably heard like the Christmas song before this, but. I did write down chipmunk next to which doctor. I'm like, is that? Yes. Ross Bagdasarian created the David Seville character or persona and recorded some novelty stuff under that. And then he took that David Seville character and used that to produce the chipmunks stuff later. And his son, Ross Bagdasarian Jr., 
uh, still does is still in control of all the chipmunk stuff today. So apocryphally, and I, I don't know if this holds true today, but to the point when this set was released, the single most requested song over that 20 years for Dr. Demento's shows uh, was Fish Heads by Barnes and Barnes. Yeah, that was another one. I think the question marks popped out in my head, you know, bling, what? <laughs> These remind me of show tunes or like the music you hear on a, a, a trailer for a show or something or cartoons. I wrote down that it was an entertaining album because it was so silly and funny and you could be you could have fun with it. Like Andrea in elementary school would have been singing these songs to annoy the people in my life. I would have had a lot of fun with these. You know, what I meant to do here was to try to figure out what exactly the difference between satire and parody is. And I know I've looked this up before and I've tried to internalize it, but I can never regurgitate it on command. Isn't satire just dry? Er? Not necessarily. This is from copyrightalliance.org. By definition, parody is a comedic commentary about a work that requires an imitation of the work. So, for example, the stuff the stuff that Weird Al does that is a parody of an existing song. Further on, satire, on the other hand, even when it uses a creative work as the vehicle for the message, offers commentary and criticism about the world, not that specific creative work. Parody is commenting on whatever it is it is, it is taking from, while satire is just commenting on like the world at large, not necessarily the work it's, it may be taking from. And apparently that's a difference. That's, that's a distinction that makes a difference in copyright law specifically. Although the, the subtitle of this album is specifically the greatest novelty records of all time. I think there's a lot on here that doesn't necessarily count as novelty because in my head, and I'm, I haven't been looking up any specific definitions. In my head, uh, a novelty refers to something that's just like quick, cheap, frivolous kind of thing. But there is, ser but when you get to some, something that has like serious musicianship behind it, mm -hmm. or scholarship, or even commentary, uh, either political or social, then it ceases to be a novelty. Only you. It's, it's like the difference. It's like the difference when you go into a into like the dollar store. And you get like, like cheap little trinkets. That's a novelty. Versus if you go get like a piece of art, even if it's cheap art, but it's it has artistic merit. That's not necessarily a novelty. Maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if this actually makes sense, and I'm just coming up with it off the top of my head. So. Yeah, because I'm like I haven't thought about it long uh, at all, honestly. But from the perspective of marketing, I can certainly understand why they would label this as, you know, the greatest novelty records of all time. Because yeah. not everything on here is satire and not everything on it is parody. I would argue not everything on it is novelty, but it's easier to say these are novelty. Don't take it seriously. So now that, now that we've gone through a whole bunch of why I love this, mainly because it came to me at a time when I was impressionable and it has colored my experience in music since. Are we ready to give this a verdict? I don't even know how. My first thought was to give it a five because it's not offensive, it's entertaining. It's not all music 
And when I was a kid, I liked some of these songs. I just don't anymore. Now, me, on the other hand, I, I think <laughs> you will not be surprised to hear me grade this rather highly. Mm. And this is this is a nine. This is absolutely a nine. Because this is this is so form so formative and informative to my to my musical journey over the years. Now it's so not now, to say that everything on here is great. It's the fact that it is these songs together in this order. There, like I said, there is actually stuff on here that I don't care for that much. Like Guitar Zan. Mm-hmm. If if I skip anything on the on this set, that's the that's the one that gets skipped. Well, all right. So are we ready to find out what's coming in the undetermined future? Yeah, what's about to happen next? Okay, well, first of all, for our devoted listeners, we will we will not have a show next week, probably the week after, because some of us got other stuff going on. Hey, Google, give me a number between 1 and 2056. 703. 703. We're getting, we're getting some classic stuff here. This is SRO, short for Standing Room Only, by Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. All right. And that's our show for this week. Please rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening through, and feel free to leave a voice message on our page at anchor.fm. There's a link to it in the show description. Thank you to Dre for joining me, and thank you for joining us. Until next time, be good to your music. It's been good to you.